0: to Acts 2 and Hebrews 10. Growing up in my family, uh, we nearly always holidayed in a farmhouse near Abbasok in the Thlin Peninsula. Uh, my parents uh, tended to book for the next year as we were leaving. Uh, generally we were there for two weeks in the summer and sometimes also for a week in October half term. I think I once worked out that I had spent more than half a year of my life in Abasok, all staying in that same farmhouse, and most of the time sitting on the same beach, because all my dad wanted to do was go to the beach. If the sun was out, we went to the beach. Uh, we always went to the same beach. I mean, it was lovely, but occasional variety would have been good. Uh, even going to one of Abersock's other three beaches once or twice in the holiday would have mixed it up a bit. Um, I used to read about 15 novels when we were there because I was bored senseless. We just went and we went to the beach. The only place, any other place I have randomly been as, to as much as Abbasoc is a small town in Somerset. And I don't know about you, but I don't know Somerset all that well, but I happen to have again spent probably the best part of half a year there at a small town called Shepton Mallet. <laughs> Unlike Abersock, where the weather was often surprisingly good for Wales because the Slyn Peninsula is a microclimate, basically it went over Abersock and dumped everything on Snowdonia, the weather in August in Shepton Mallet <coughs> was pretty universally disappointing. The question facing us every year as we prepared to go to New Wine, as we went to Shepton it was not whether it would rain, it was how often, how heavily, and how persistently. You might think, well, why did we go back year after year? And sometimes towards the end of the, end of the week when, we were, when the mud was oozing up over our ankles, we wondered. But it was the Christian festivals, New Wine and Soul Survivor, that drew us back there almost every year from 1994 onwards. Who's been to New Wine? Yeah, who's been to Soul Survivor? Mm -hmm. Yep. brilliant. Uh, We have been going to Shepton Mallet long enough to see two different Tesco supermarkets built there and to visit the supermarket that starred in Hot Fuzz. If you've ever seen that movie, that's a Shepton Mallet supermarket. And while there were many things we loved about New Wine, uh, family traditions, about the food court, the freedom the children enjoyed on that week, the sense of fellowship we got with sharing it it with so many other families uh, year after year, the one thing that kept us going year after year was not the weather, was the sense that here was a place where we met with God. Here was a place where we could receive from the Holy Spirit. Here was a place where we could be renewed. Sometimes we arrived famished for God. Um, It's once said, a vineyard pastor once said in a group I was in that the task of a senior pastor or a vicar is to create a church that you actually want to attend. And certainly in younger years, we were in places where we went absolutely starving for worship, starving to encounter God. Why, well once in one church I led, I led from the keyboard and that was not a blessing to anyone. We arrived desperate, desperate to encounter God and to hear music that was in tune. Sometimes we arrived needing healing and encouragement. Other times we came with others who we knew needed that. But we've spent nearly half a year of our lives at an obscure town in Somerset for one reason and one reason only. It was a place where we sought and encountered God year after year. We went with real expectation, not just of bad weather, but also of being encouraged in our faith, of taking stock where we were in our lives, of resetting ourselves for the year ahead. It was a place that became important because it was a place where God always met with us. And I could feel expectation rising or I could once the tent was up because I never liked um, the stressy thing of putting the tent up, being watched by 100 members of my congregation to see just, just how patient I am when... when pegs are not going straight and all of that kind of stuff but when the tent was up when we'd been to Tesco when everything was done and the children were booked into their groups literally not very recently there was that moment of saying actually we are here we are here to meet with the Lord and that is the only reason we've come with our brothers and sisters to meet with the Lord In our devoted series tonight, we've arrived at they devoted themselves to prayer. It literally says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and literally to the prayers. So first point, to what kind of prayer were they devoted? Well, the prayer suggests not just private prayer, it suggests corporate prayer. We know, for example, that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer when they healed the beggar at the gate called Beautiful in Acts 3.1. They were going, it was their practice, to participate in corporate prayer within the temple. That means they participated regularly in times of liturgical prayer. Liturgy just means the work of the people. It it talks about when we join together with others, uh, to say the psalms together or to written prayers that we are all said together that was the practice of the disciples so some of their worship had significant structure to it but we also know that they also held acts of worship in which the Holy Spirit flowed in great power and in which each of them contributed and led as the Spirit prompted them so 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six tells us when you come together each of you The same phrase as in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. All of this is in the context of the body that actually we have a contribution to make that will help the body flourish. So some of their worship Uh, has amazing flow and dynamism to it that was free from any human structural plan other than the one being orchestrated by the Holy Spirit in their midst. Their worship, in other words, has this tension between structure and liberty, between organisation and spontaneity, between being pre-planned and yet sparking, sparking, crackling with life. They were devoted to seeking God in the prayers, coming together regularly to do so. That's a second point we need to stress, that they were devoted to gathering. The importance of place, the importance of gathering has been a consistent thread throughout the history of God's people. It's right to say that the church is made up of people rather than buildings. Of course it is. Yet place has always been significant. Paul pictured us as making it together, a building in Ephesians 2:20 20 to 22, as he writes there in verse 22. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His spirit. We together make a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, not just individually. And Paul does talk a number of times about us being God's temple and the word he uses there is the word for the holy of holies. So as a believer in whom the Holy Spirit rests, the the holy of holies is within your heart. But there's also a sense that we together become a house for spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God in which the Holy Spirit abides. Whenever you look at in, in biblical history, a, a shrine becomes important. It, it becomes important because it's a place that's set apart and remembered as a place where God showed up, as a place where God encountered people and changed the course of history. In those places, just like we used to go to Shepton Mallet. I mean, why Shepton Mallet? Well, I have no idea why Shepton Mallet, but that was the place where we gathered that was the place where it started, that was the place where, where God's presence and God's spirit uh, met with people over and over again through a long period. I think by the time we moved to Peterborough, it had been 20 years in the same place, and thousands and thousands of people had gathered. God's people gathered in the hope of meeting God. So when there was a shrine, or like Bethel, where Jacob slept and he had a vision of angels ascending and descending, in that place he said, this is the house of God. And there's a consequence, he built an altar there. It became a place over the centuries where God's people remember that here, God had showed up place always matters. The incarnation tells us that. Jesus doesn't come to nowhere, he comes to a specific place. We see this also in the first church in Acts. We know that they gathered in a particular place. Every day they continued, we'd read in verse 46, to meet together in the temple courts after the the healing of the man at the gate called Beautiful in Acts 3.1. Um, the people rush to find out you know, who's done this, and they look for the apostles. Where do they look for the apostles? They come running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade, according to Acts 3.11. I think it was associated with Jesus' own teaching. Uh, John 10.23 tells us that that's where Jesus habitually taught when he went up to the feasts. So they remembered meeting Jesus there and they gathered there over and over again. Acts 5, 12 tells us, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people where all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. It was a place where they remembered meeting Jesus. It was a place where they saw signs and wonders. And it was a place where people who were interested in the faith knew where to come. They knew where to gather. They knew where to find these people these Jesus people who were speaking his name and were seeing wonders happen. It was a place where they gathered, a place where they knew God's presence and power, a place where they gathered to worship, to learn, and to pray together. I think places like that, places where God's people gather, places where we see God move in power, become graced places A place like the stones in a stream, smoothed by the flowing presence of the living water. A place where it becomes easier to receive. Some writers talk about it becoming a thin place. A place where it is easier to discern God's presence. And we see that kind of breakthrough. A place like Shepton Mallet, where we went expecting to receive. Expecting to get wet, but expecting to receive a place in which God's glory was expected to break through. A thin place. They were devoted to the prayers. They were devoted uh, to private prayer, to corporate prayer. Uh, They were devoted to gathering. They came together regularly. And then also third, they were devoted to playing their part. I have a very bad habit I need to talk to you about, which is I often say at the door when we were allowed to hold, hand, you know, shake hands, I would say to people, did you enjoy that? It's a terrible habit uh, because I'm kind of suggesting that this is about uh, what you get out of it, not what you bring. I'm kind of suggesting that actually this is a branch of the entertainment industry and. My word, if we're a branch of the entertainment industry, I need to bling it up a lot. (laughs) Asking people whether they've enjoyed a service is suggesting that the measure of what we happened in this place is how much we laughed, rather than whether we encountered God. If I said to you, uh, how much have you got out of it, that's a better question But even then, I'm treating like Uncle Harold. Uncle Harold, did you enjoy Christmas? Lots of good presents? Great. Actually, what did you come to bring? If I said to you as you were leaving, what did you bring tonight? What did you bless someone else with tonight? How did God use you? To each one... The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. If you love Jesus, you are competent to receive the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. If you love Jesus, he longs to pour out his grace gifts on you and through you to others. There's nothing stopping that. Nothing stopping that except our lack of expectation. Nothing stopping that maybe, other than sometimes we're a bit self-centred. Sometimes we come in way down with the woes of the world. And if that's where you are, that is okay. But if it's always like that, if we always come just to receive, if we always come just to receive from our brothers and sisters and not when it's the right time to give, Not when it's the right time to bless, then we're like my great uncle Harold. The body grows uh, when we are all engaged in helping it be alive and prosper. The body grows when each of us takes our responsibility. And yes, some of us have a bigger responsibility than others, but all of us have a responsibility in the body of Christ to be part of blessing one another and to be part of blessing those around us. That's the excitement. That's the excitement. As you come through that door, God might use you. God might speak to you for someone else. God might bless you. That when we, when we stand and we, and we ask the Holy Spirit to come, it's not just, I, I don't ask the Spirit to come just for me. I cast the Spirit to come for whoever the Lord wants to speak to through me. That's the excitement. You don't have to stand up here to be used by God this evening. What might the Lord want to do in and through you? It's sometimes said that um, church life is a bit like a football match. It's um, 22 people desperately in need of a rest, being watched by thousands of people desperately in need of exercise. There's a way to shift that balance, which is to see that we are all in this together, that each of us has a contribution to make. That 1 Corinthians 14 passage to each one, a word of instruction, a hymn, an encouragement might be brought. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for what purpose? For the common good. is given for the flourishing of the body. Your spiritual gifts don't belong to you. Mine don't belong to me. They belong to the body. They're given for the common good. It took me a long time to learn that. I was a really critical young believer i you know if we'd had numbers to hold up I would have done yeah that was six out of ten that sermon my word gosh that person really doesn't know how to learn lit- lead liturgy it's very easy to turn into an audience and our whole culture tells us to measure things our whole culture tells us to give it well everything apparently can be given up to five stars um, the invitation in this place is to be part of a body that's flourishing and the invitation therefore is to receive a gift of the spirit for someone else to be a blessing and that way so often as we bless others we get blessed ourselves so often the Lord doesn't leave us empty when we give to others he makes sure that he, he backfills because he loves to see us giving to others. He really loves to see that. So it's a change of mindset I'm asking for, I think, to to move to a more biblical mindset, which is we're all on team. There's no one here who doesn't have a contribution to make. There's no one here who cannot be a means of grace this evening or any time we gather, a means of grace for our brothers and sisters. All of you are on team. All of you are competent. The Lord says, All of you are competent to hear from Him for someone else. All of you can be part of praying for someone else. All of you can be part of the healing ministry. All of you can be part of hearing God for the church. All of you can be part of praying for the church. We are in this together. It is about the wealth of the body not the wealth of an individual. It's about the giftedness of all of us together, not a single individual. It's about expectation. As we came through the door this evening, what, what were our expectation levels? Were they pretty high? Because we have been seeing, I think, the Holy Spirit moving in power. Were we just hoping that the sermon would be a bit shorter this, this, this week? Were we hoping that we'd have a time of urgent intercession for the England-Denmark game on Wednesday? Or were we just, if we're really honest, going through the motions? Or were we, like my great-uncle Harold, coming with our hands open but nothing in our pockets, nothing for anyone else, just wanting to receive. I don't say that to make you feel heavy. I say that to make you feel bold. The Lord will use you. The Lord wants to use you. If we step into this, the Lord longs to see you grow in gifts of the Spirit. The Lord longs to see you abound in boldness and faithfulness. The Lord longs to give you a passionate faith that believes for breakthrough. Gifts of faith that sees what God is doing and then speaks it into being. The Lord looks at every single person here and says, I can use you. I've got a plan for you. You can be a worker in my vineyard. You can be a worker in my kingdom. Not one of you is not competent. Not one of you is not wanted. To each one, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 1 Corinthians 14, 25. Whenever you gather together, one of you has a hymn. One of you has a word of instruction. One of you has a word of encouragement. That's how we roll, or should, can't believe i've just said that publicly that's how we roll i'm trying to be a bit more bling you know how it is you just gotta you just gotta work work with it as best you can we're all on the team that's what being part of the body is we're all on the team so how does the lord want to use you